Hallelujah. Ready to get in the Word? Go to Psalms 126, and we're continuing our series that we've been on since the beginning of the year on devastation, from devastation to restoration. And I'm going to be dealing with a topic tonight on how to stay positive in a negative world. How to stay positive in a negative world. Now, before I read this scripture, if you have a scratched piece of paper, or if you have a a phone, uh, you don't need to be on Facebook, but um, if you have a phone and, and you, you, you have a note section there, I, I want you to do something for me. First, I want you to make a list. It doesn't need to be an exhausted list. It could be, it, it, you, you might only have one, you could have 30, I, I don't know. Uh, but on the, top of your, on the top of your head, I, I want you to list anything or everything that Satan has told you in the past on why you're not successful. Anything that the enemy has told you on why you're not successful or why you're, you're, in, why you're needing restoration or whatever, what, whatever the enemy might have, to, might have told you, it might have to do with education. It might have to do with money. It could be time. It could be your lack of experience. It could be you had a bad childhood. It could have to be abuse. It could be you were born on the wrong side of town, wrong family, wrong color, or even born at all. I mean, so whatever the, the lies the enemy has tried to portray on your life, I want you to write those down. And like I said, it could be, it could be one. You might not be able to think of any. But I, I know the enemy is always speaking to bring discouragement, right? You know, I, there was times where I needed restoration in my life, and, and the enemy kept telling me on how impossible it was, Philip, how impo- it wasn't going to happen, it's not going to happen, Justin. It's not going to, as much as you, you want to, you, you, you think that's going to happen, it's not going to happen. And so, and so what we get inundated with, you can keep writing, just listen as, 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 as you're writing, just listen to me. I believe you're going to receive this in your heart. Is, is what happens is we're inundated with negativity. I mean, if you just engulf yourself and engulf yourself in talk shows, in media, in what the what the uh, what everyone's saying that's going on, everybody is getting this. Everyone has that. This is this is the way everyone thinks. This is the way everything is. This is they uh, you know uh, they don't like you. This this these people don't like you. They you know and and so so what we get inundated with negativity, inundated with negativity. And so what happens is, is everything that we see in the media and things going on, what happens is it magnifies our problems. Say, if you're going through something and all of a sudden you're watching, you're watching Dr. Phil and you're going through a situation in your life and you're watching Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil says, well, this, this is that and this is that and, you know, and this is always going to be the response to that. And, and so what happens is you put yourself in a box and you're like, see, you know, that's, that's the reason I can't do this. That's the reason I'll never be able to do that. And, and what happens is we end up settling for the hand we've been dealt. We settle for the experiences that we've had and we just call it, well, that's just life. And you know what? I have to bear my cross and bear my burden for the rest of my life because this has happened to me. And Dr. Phil said that that's going to happen to me and so therefore I should just live with it. Well, the doctor said that I'm always going to have this, and I'm, this is always going to be a part of my life. And, and well, they said this, and, and so I, well, I guess that must be the truth because that's what everyone says. And so what happens is, is the negativity starts mounting up. Why? Because you're magnifying the problem. You're magnifying the problem, but you're not magnifying the answer. You see, if you've been mistreated or abused, you've got to understand there's still abundant life on the other side of your abuse. 
There's still abundant life on the other side of where you're at. There's still abundant life on the other side of your loss. There's still something on the other side. There's still something God can do with your circumstance. There's still something God can do. But if you listen to the natural, you're going to be staying negative. But in Psalms 126, verse 1, it says, When the Lord turned again that captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Say that with me. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. So when the Lord turned the captivity, so that means what happened is they were in a place of loss. They were in a place of hurt. They were in a place where probably the enemy was telling them they would never get out of this. They would never get beyond this. You'll always be a failure. You'll always be a loser. You'll never amount to anything. And so those are the lies that the enemy will plant in your mind. And what happens is the world and how the world system and the God of this world is, is to magnify what he's already saying to you. So everything you see and everything that you hear is to support what the enemy is saying to you. But God says, when, the, when he turned the captivity of Zion, we were them, them, like them that dreamed. What does that mean? It means that, that, you know, you were in bondage at one time, but it got to a point when God set you free, it was almost like you were never in bondage to begin with. You know, I'm living proof of that. I've been through some difficult things in my life, and I look back on those difficult things, and I'm like, did I go through that? That was, I I walked through that? I made it through that? But God... See, but the enemy will want you to say, you know, there's, never, there's no hope on the other side of it. There's no hope on the other side. But I, I want to encourage you tonight that, that, that there is restoration on the other side of your devastation. Yes. And it will be like a dream Hallelujah. when you step into your restoration. Amen? Amen? Well, you might say, well, Pastor Justin, that's easy for you to say. You don't know my hurt or my pain. L- let me ask you a question. Are you going to let the past control you for the rest of your life? See, because you're magnifying your past greater than what, how God can restore your life. Amen. Say, God is greater, God is greater. Than, my than my past. Say, he's greater, he's greater. Than, my present. than my present. See, you can still be delivered out of whatever you're going through. The same Jesus that saved your spirit this is the same God that can restore you. See, so we, 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 like to, we like to talk about his salvation and re- receiving his salvation and we can rejoice in his salvation, but do you rejoice in the fact that he can restore you in the same spirit that restored your spirit, man, and made you a new creation? Is the same spirit that can restore you out of your bondage that you're in right now? It's the same power. It's the same ability, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quickens your mortal body. It's the same power as not you needing a different power. Jesus already died on the cross and the same power that was on him in the earth and the same thing he purchased on the cross is the same thing that will restore you out of whatever those things you wrote down. You know, he, Jesus said in, in, in Luke four eighteen, he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Meaning God's presence is on me to minister good news to someone that needs restoration. I'd say if someone's poor, you need some restoration. 
I've been poor, and there's times I needed God's hand to show up in my life, right? So he preached good news. And see, what you're hearing tonight is good news. The fact that you don't have to stay, you don't have to remain bound to whatever those things are that you wrote down on that paper. You don't have to. It's not your lot in life and your cross you have to bear. Jesus already bore the cross for you. Don't let religion give you this lie, well, I'm just bearing my cross for Jesus. Mm-mm. See, God, well, God is never going to test you with something he's redeemed you from. He's never going to try you with something you've been redeemed from. For, for him to put sickness on you would be call him a child abuser. Every good and perfect gift comes from He's not going to tempt you with alcohol. He's not going to tempt you with drugs. Why? Because he doesn't have them. No matter what the political arena might say and how medicinal marijuana is, it's still not going to make you whole. So you have to understand that, that God, the same power is that, that, that he saved you with is the same power that he wants to restore you on whatever the enemy, the lies he's telling you about what you're not going to do and what you can't do because of this, because your education, your background. And this, these are big ones because of my failures, because of my, my mistakes. See, that's a big one. That's a big one because we look at the devastation in our life. And, and we settle for it because we think we deserve it because we brought it on ourselves. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you save yourself? Did you do anything to deserve salvation to begin with? You know, all of a sudden, it's like, it's like we get saved and, and we have this experience of new creation as a new creation. And all of a sudden, we feel like we have to earn the salvation, or salvation the rest of our Christian walk. That's religion. That's why, that's why the, the, the religion of Islam is, is, is a religion of fear. And I'll step on some toes here. That's why Jehovah's Witness is not, a, is not of God. For one, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died for your sins. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the resurrection. Look it up. They don't believe in the resurrection. But the Bible says that whosoever believes that he died and he rose again would be justified. And so, so a lot of these religions are run on fear because it's all based on earning your thing. So if I just witness to so many peace, people and I live a good life and I don't celebrate Christmas and all these things and I'm earning my salvation and just hopefully I'm one of the 144,000. Islam is the same way. If you're not fulfilling the five, the, the, the five pilgrimage of, uh, of Islam, you're done. And if you're a woman, forget it. So everything is based on how do I have this assurity of salvation? Is this, I feel like I got to earn this. But you know what? You, you, the only way you can earn your restoration is by trusting in him and standing upon his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm getting way off. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, there's not enough room in my heart for the world's negativity in God's enduring word. Let me say it again. There's not enough room in my heart for the world's negativity in God's word. 
See, one will overshadow the other. You, you know, there's too much mixture going on in our lives. We try to mix what the world is saying and trying to mix it with what God is saying and trying to make sense of our lives. So, so there's not enough room for both. Either I, I'm going to be totally saturated in the world or I need to be totally saturated in the word. If not, I'm going to end up warped and still questioning why this or why that. Hallelujah. So I have to look at my past for what it is. It's my past. It will not hold back my future and because my future is glorious and bright in God. You have to take the negative excuses that the enemy is saying and turn it into positive reasons for achieving. So those things you wrote down on your paper there, see, those are what the enemy is saying. Those are the negativity of what the enemy is saying in your life. And what you have to do is you need to turn those things around for a reason to achieve. The enemy, you're telling me, that, you know what, I'm going to achieve this. You said I don't have that. You know what, I'm going to step into that. You, you said this, well, this is going to happen in my life. Why? Because the word says it. God is a master at taking failures and turning them into champions. You see, we look throughout scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If we look throughout scripture, God took ordinary, everyday people and through him and through his word, they did extraordinary things. But then if you had that, if I say that and that a thought comes up in your head, it's like, well, I'll never do anything great. That's the negativity that's trying to control you. When a minister is preaching something and giving you, well, he's just trying to build my hopes. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's trying to give you a vision. I'm, I'm trying to give you a vision for something better, for something greater. And so anytime the enemy, when a minister is preaching and the enemy come, comes to you and you're like, well, no, that'll never happen to you. You got to shut that down. Well, that'll never happen. You got to shut that down. Well, see, it didn't happen for that person. Well, the thing is, is, is we, can't, we, we, can't go, we can't go by that. We have to go back still. This is what the word says. Yeah, I might not understand that situation, but you know what? This is what the word says. Hebrews chapter 11, like I said, God did great things to ordinary people. Verse 33, he says, actually verse 20, 32, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. 32, it says, and what shall I say more for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon? of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Man, you say, man, what could I say? I mean, these guys did extraordinary things through faith. And then verse 33 says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. I love what the message says. It says, they took disadvantages and turned them into advantages. See, you have to understand is as a child of God, what, no matter what you're facing, through God, you can take your disadvantages and turn them to advantages. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what, see, those things on your paper, those things are disadvantages. Yes. But you've got to understand through faith, these people, they subdued kingdoms. They subdued kingdoms. Ordinary, but they subdued kingdoms. Wow. How about a, the kingdom of darkness? See, you, you can subdue the kingdom of darkness, the one that is perpetuating the negative thoughts in your life. Why? Because, because through faith, you can take those disadvantages and turn them into advantages. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
See, whoever you're following, whether you're following the world or you're following the word, will control your destiny. It's truth. That's truth. Whatever you're following is going to control your destiny. See, if all you do is look at pornography, eventually you'll have an affair. If all you do is, 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 is look at soap operas and different things like that, then you'll be dissatisfied in your life and you'll want something else. Why? Because you're looking at something that is going to control your destiny and it won't control it in the right way. It's going to continue to perpetuate negative results in your life. So it's what you're choosing to follow every day that's going to control your life. You see, because see, the God of this world, Satan, he's a master at planting seeds. See, he has no power over your life. He just has the power of suggestion. See, he's not going to come out, he's not going to come up and make you rob a bank. He's not going to come out and make you commit adultery. He's not going to, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He, he, it started with the seed. I'm just worthless. I'm just a nobody. And someone that ends up taking their life is started with a seed. The de- devil didn't make them kill themselves. No, it was a seed that he planted there by a suggestion. Maybe something you're watching, something you saw, and that places that suggestion. He's a master at planting seeds and saying, you're a failure. You're born in a wrong family, born on the wrong side of town, maybe not even born at all. He plants those seeds. I'm worthless. I'm a nobody. I've made too many mistakes, and I've failed too many times. Hallelujah. But you have to recognize God's seeds. God's seeds. You know, Romans chapter 12 says, for us not to be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Uh, I believe it's the Phillips translation says, says, don't let the world fit you into its mold. You see, I grew up in, a, you know, a Pentecostal church of God. And, and, and so we always had these bazaars and these, these uh, on, on Sunday afternoons, we'd have these big food things. And I remember as a kid, these green jello molds. And they looked horrible, but they tasted good. And it's just this mold. And so, so, so uh, it's just a simple illustration, but, but just this jello mold. So, the, so whatever you put into that jello mold and you flipped it upside down is the shape that you had. And so, what ha- and, 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 and so it's what it looks like. So whatever you're putting into the mold of your heart and is what you are actually being shaped in. And so if you're constantly hearing, see, there's two things. You're either going to be conformed by the, by the world or you're going to be transformed by the word. There's only two options. So, so we, to get rid of the thoughts that you're writing on those pieces of paper, you have to stop being conformed to the negativity of the world and be transformed by the word. Because just as the enemy plants suggestions and seeds in your heart and mind through things you read, through the things you see, is the same thing that God does when you get into his word. Amen. 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 Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Meaning, whatever you're thinking about is what you're going to become. Right? Everything starts on the inside first. And then works to the outside. Hallelujah. Before anything happens on the outside, it happens inside first. So his word needs to get off these pages and get into your heart. 
Hallelujah. Just had an old Billy Ocean song, get out of my car. <laughs> get out of these pages. Get into my heart. I don't know where that came from. Jesus. That's Jenny Courier's wife. That's Levy's wife. That's Jenny's. <laughs> so staying positive has to come down to the fact that it's a choice. Think about it. Staying positive in a negative world. In John chapter 16, you know, to turn there, verse 33, Jesus is saying, he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. See, pastor? That's it. I've been tribulating my whole life. Jesus even said it. I'm in the world, and I'm, I'm going to have troubles. I'm going to have pressures. See, see, religion doesn't like to read whole scriptures. See, they want to they preach a song, get people, people get shouting about that. Oh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's bad. Mm. But, you know, Jesus said we'd have these tribulations. But Jesus says, but be of good courage. But be of good courage. I have overcome the world, and the Amplified says, and I have deprived it of its power to harm you. So, so the thing is, you're going to be in situations where you're going to experience the seeds of suggestion. But what you have to understand is whatever those suggestions are, Jesus said he already overcame those things. So we have to build our life on this word. So there's several things I want to deal with before I, before I, before I close. Is how do we stay positive in a negative world. How do we do it? How, how, how does this, what does this look like? What does this look like? Because the thing is, is when you leave church and you lay your head out down at night, or all of a sudden, because I preach this message, all of a sudden, are those thoughts not going to bombard you? Yeah, they're going to bombard you. Probably even worse. Because the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4 talk. Immediately the enemy comes to steal the word. Why? Because he doesn't want that word or that seed to produce fruit. Because he wants you to remain as, as, as just a seed. He just wants you to remain as something small. But God's created you to be something great. Amen? Hallelujah. So what are some things pertaining to staying positive? It comes down to making a decision. Everything you do in life starts with a decision. Whether negative or positive, it's all a decision. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Success begins with a decision. So you have to start somewhere. So what, what decisions do we need to deal with? And I, and I think about decision. I think about going through difficult things. I think of Jesus. It's written in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And how could you say that? There was joy? There was joy set before him to die for me? You see, you have to start your life with the end in mind. You have, wherever you're at right now, you need to start with thinking about the end, not where you are right now. You have, to think about, you have to think about the fulfillment of promise, not the fulfillment of your problem. Jesus had to focus on, you know what, I'm doing this because you know what? 
They're my brothers and they're my sisters. I, I saw them when they were created by my father. I saw man when they were created by God. And I saw how the enemy deceived them out of who they were. I saw the enemy strip them of their dignity. I saw the enemy control them. I saw the enemy take the glory and honor that they were clothed with. And I called and I saw them when they were naked and alone and afraid and not knowing who they were anymore. I saw that. And God said, for the joy that was, I, I see, I see the fulfillment. I see what God's doing. I see what God's fulfilling. I see what God's restoring. He started because he saw the end result. You have to focus on the end result. Focus on his promise. Focus on what his word says about your situation. So what choices and what decisions we need to make? First, we need to make that decision that we're going to focus on the end. How do we, so how do we focus on that end result without being discouraged? The first thing we, we find, and you don't need to turn there. I have a lot of scripture tonight. I'm just quoting most of them. We see it in John chapter 14. These decisions. These decisions. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus saying, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. So it's a choice to, to, to see the end result. Then the second choice is, it is to not let your heart be troubled. You see, that's what the enemy wants to trouble your heart. That's the, 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 he wants to trouble the center of who you are. He wants to confuse you. He wants to distort what, what you're thinking. He wants to distort the, the outcome that you're looking at. He wants to distort those things. So you can't let your heart be troubled. That's a decision. Let not. Let not. See, just the word let is, is if I'm, am I going to let him in my house or am I going to let him out of my house? See, your heart is a container. And I'm not talking about your heart that's pumping blood. I'm talking about your spirit man. It's a container. And so it's whatever you let into that container that's going to determine if you're troubled or not. So it's whatever I fill this, this glass as a container, and whatever I fill this glass up is what, will, what I can release out of it. So if you're letting trouble in, then the only thing that can happen in you is trouble. Pressure, fear, all those things. But it's a decision, right? The next decision we have to, we have to make. Not only do we have to keep, keep the end in mind, not only do we need to let not our heart be troubled, Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So it's a decision on, are you going to lean on your own understanding? See, and your understanding is going to be built upon what you're filled with. Lean not on your own, lean not on natural understanding. Trust in the Lord with all, it's a decision to trust. You know, the day that Annette and I said, I do to each other, it, 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 was, a, it was a thing where we, we had to trust not only each other, but trust God. It's, it's a choice to trust. It's a choice who you trust and who you refuse to trust. Right? So how do we stay positive? 
We make a decision to see the end. We make a decision to let not our heart be troubled. We make a decision to lean not on our own understanding. The next choice we have to make. The next decision. We have to, we have to make a decision that whatever we see going on in front of us is temporary. Isaiah verse, chapter 40, verse 8, says the flower, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word stands forever. See, that's a decision to realize that natural things have a lifespan. You know, these plants, you know, this one's looking good, and this one here, this has got, got some issues going on, right? Because that, it, it's just doing what it does. It withers. It fades. I mean, yeah, you might be able to, yeah, you might be able to keep that alive for a, for a period of time, you know, keep watering it, keep watering it, but, but we talk about eternity. Right. See, you might have been the only one that cared about that plant, but when you're no longer here, will someone care about that plant like you care about that plant? So eventually, it's going to wither and fade. Eventually, but the word stands forever. So it means the things that are in this natural world order are temporary. Do you realize even, even the present state of heaven is temporary? Do you realize that? He says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything you see here is temporary. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians chapter four. Verse 17. Now look, that's, look at this in the light of negativity, living in negativity in, in, in the world, in issues, in the things you wrote down on your paper. For our light affliction, say that with me, for our light affliction, You see, whatever you wrote down is what the enemy has tried to afflict you with. For our light affliction, which is what? But for a moment. See, the afflictions, the, the infirmities, the weaknesses, the issues, the problems, the failures, the mistakes, those are but for a moment. A moment. It has a lifespan. But too often, the enemy magnifies things and says, man, that's forever. And it says, working for a far more external weight of glory. 18, while we look not at the things which are seen. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which we, are, which we see are temporal, temporary, but the things which we don't see are eternal. You see, the enemy will make sure that those things look eternal and look forever. But here the apostle Paul says, hey, can you see it? It's temporary. 
And I love what, what Dr. Savell said, subject to change. Look, look, look at your list. Look at the list that you wrote down and point to every single one. That's subject to change. That's subject to change. That's subject to change. That's subject to change. Oh, yeah, and that is subject to change. Oh, yeah, that's really subject to change. Yes, that one too, and that one is subject to change. See, you need to start seeing things differently. So it ha- you have to make a decision that you're not going to let your heart be troubled. You're going to see the end. You're not going to lean on your own understanding. And you're going to realize and make a decision that, hey, the things I'm facing right now, they're temporary. This is but for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Don't allow the world to dictate your outcome. Your outcome is mapped out by God himself, and your future is bright. Hallelujah. Your decision stands not on what you see, but your decision rests in an all-powerful, eternal God. Another decision we have to make, we have to learn to think big. Learn to think big. You need to expand your thinking bigger than you've ever thought before. There was a minister I heard years back His name was Bob Mason, and he wrote a book called Conquering the Enemy Called Average. Conquering the Enemy Called Average. The the world wants you to be average. But you know what? We're not to be average. Well, I'm just, you know what? I'm just getting by. That's that's not God's best. Well, I'm I'm just enduring this. No. Think big. Think big. Think big. Think, think big. The enemy's saying this. Say, no, it, it can be better than it was. Hallelujah. You don't need to fit into the world's idea of average. Now, now there, there's several things. Just, just think about it. The disciples, they, they were in a place of need and they were a place of lack. And Jesus said, said how much food do we have? Or how much money do we have? And, and one account says, well, we only have this month, uh, you know, two pence or whatever it was. And, and then this one says, well, well, we have five loaves and we have two fish. And then, but Philip goes, well, what are those among so many? You see, he was looking at what he had. He was looking at just the natural of what he had in the natural, but Jesus was thinking big. Jesus was thinking big. The, the disciples were limited in their understanding because they were looking at the lack that they had. And here Jesus is, is stepping back and he goes, put them out in 50s. Put them out in these and, and let's organize them. Let's do this. Give me, those, give me those fish. Give me those loaves. And what happened? He multiplied what was little. But he had to be able to think big. I mean, he, he went, God, I don't know if I can, you can do that. He, he was thinking big because there was a need that needed to be met. Someone had to think big. Someone had to think unlimited. Someone had to think, hey, he can do the impossible. Where, where everyone else was thinking impossible, someone had to think possible. Someone's got to think big in your life. How about you? No one else is going to think big for you. No one's going to think, think bigger for you. You have to think big about your life. The world doesn't want you to think big because they just want you to stay normal. Average. Just barely get by. That's why people were so, well, I couldn't understand it, but Married with Children, that show, 
It had like some of the greatest ratings for years and years and years. And they asked why people like to watch it. They said, because it just makes us feel better about our life. <laughs> you know, it, you, you have to think big yeah. about your life. You have to think about big, think big about your future. You need to think big for your children. You need to think big. Think big. Think big. Look at those things that you wrote down. Think big. What does big look like compared to what you wrote down? Hallelujah. You know, Abraham, he was, you know, he, God was coming to him and, and said, you're going to have a son. And so here, Abraham, Abram is just thinking about a son. He's thinking about what he's wanting. He's thinking about what he's needing. He's thinking about what, what they've longed for. But God's coming to him and saying, you know what? You're, you're not getting it. You're not getting it, Abraham. You're, you're not, you, you, you need to make a decision to think different because you're thinking about one son. I'm thinking about nations. And he said, come out and, and look at the stars of the, of the heavens. And if you can number them, so shall your seed be. He took him out to the sand of the seashore, and he said, if you could number all the grains of the, grains of the sand, so shall your seed be. See, he was thinking limited as in son, and here God is thinking sons. Because you know what he was thinking about us? He was thinking about you and me. He was thinking about, he knew God had established a covenant with a man, and he had to have that man start thinking about nations so we could come to pass. So Jesus could come to pass. God couldn't do what he did until Abraham did what he did. Most people don't realize that. Why, why did he take Isaac up on the mountain? Because if a man wouldn't do it, he couldn't do it. I could show you other scriptures and, and, and back that up, but you have to understand, he had to have a man that was willing to send his, to die, his only son for nations. So God could then send someone by a, a, a virgin, Mary, to bring his son to die for all humanity. He had to think big. He had to think big. Jesus had to think big. Here, I mean, just think of if Jesus tells, told, the, told the disciples, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you, he says, go to, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high by the Holy Spirit. And, go, and, it, and then go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus wasn't thinking small. He was saying, I deposited myself in them. Now God has deposited the Holy Spirit in them. And they're to go to the whole world. They weren't meant to, well, you know what? I just want to go back to Capernaum. No, you got to think big. You got to think big. Think big about your life. What legacy are you going to leave? Are you going to let the negative things that you wrote down on that to keep you from leaving a bigger legacy than what you received? But it's a decision. Decision to let not your heart be troubled, a decision to lean on your own understanding, a decision to think big, a decision to see the end result even when you can't see it in the natural. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. When you open up yourself to God's way of thinking, you're able to dream new dreams. You're going to start achieving things you never thought possible. Now listen, to that. when you open yourself up to God's way of thinking, 
your dreams, you're able to dream new dreams. Start achieving things you never thought possible. When you open up your thinking, you, can, you start to believe that you can overcome any obstacle that comes your way. Thank you, Father. It all comes back down to this, renewing your mind. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 talks about put off the old man, put off the old way of thinking and put on the new man. Colossians 3, 8 and 11 talks about putting off the old man and his way of thinking and put on the new man. We have to, it, it, it is, a, you have to, it's a choice to put that off. You have to put off negative thinking. Why? Because you've done it your entire life. Your parents may have done it their entire life. So you have to put off the world's way of thinking and put on a new way of thinking. What's the new way of thinking? The word. The word. <laughs> a couple of things you need to hear here, you need to listen to. When you got born again, you became a new creation, but nothing happened to your mind. Right. Oh. Pulling weeds out of the garden at your home is your job, not your neighbor's. Vacuuming your house is not my job. Vacuuming your house is your job. I'm not going to come and clean your toilets. You need to clean your toilets. Now, if you're, in the, you're hurt and you can't, hey, I will come to clean your toilet. I don't have a problem. But when you can clean your own toilets, you need to clean your own toilets. I'm not going to take your trash out for you. You need to take your trash out. It's a, it's a choice. It's, a, it's a something we have to do. People are waiting for other people to, waiting, for, waiting on other people to bring about better way of thinking for you. No, it starts with you. It starts with you. Renewing, now listen, renewing the mind is a daily process and it begins the moment you start feeding on the word. Amen. Let me say that again. Renewing the mind is a daily process and it begins the moment you start feeding on the word. When you saturate yourself in the word, everything in your life will begin to change. Let me say it again. When you saturate yourself in the word, everything in your life will begin to change. Man, if you had known me, if you knew me in 1992, you would be like, wow. And, you, and you're a preacher? <laughs> if you had known me, oh my goodness. There's some of my relatives, they, they, when they, 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 some of them happened, you know, it was forward on Facebook when I was on TBN, and I had some of my cousins and some friends and different people make comments that I hadn't talked to some family members, and, and I, I still don't think that they knew the change in my life really happened, and it happened 20-some years ago. <laughs> but when they saw me on TBN, they're like, Wow. He has really changed. <laughs> and that was, that was 20 years ago because they knew me. But when I got saturated with the word, I haven't arrived yet. Trust me. I'm not perfect. I have weaknesses just like you. I have fears just like you. I battle hurts just like you. But I know where, I know where to, I know how to, I know the decisions to make now. And I know if, if I, what I'm dealing with something, going through something, it just means it's just, a, it's just an indicator. It's just it's kind of like that, that uh, 
your fuel thing on your on your gauge on your on your your car when the gas is empty and that light comes on. So I know when when I'm I'm dealing with things emotionally and and okay, why am I feeling this way about this and why is that this or then I know that what happened what's happening is you know what I need to start saturating myself with the word. You know what? I, I haven't been saturating myself with the word, so I need to saturate myself with the word because that's where change begin change begins. Let me make another statement to you. Saturation and intoxication changes the nature and the character of a person. Anyone been drunk before? <laughs> only, only Cassie and I. You're so spiritual. You have to admit, it, 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 it changes the nature and character of you. See, I, you know, some of you, yeah, you, yeah, you, you're all reserved and quiet, but yeah, and you get up in the club and you're dancing on tables, and yeah, uh huh, yeah, you, yeah, that, yeah, that, uh, uh huh, we know. It, it did what? It changed the nature and character of you. Why? Because you were saturated and intoxicated with something. So when you get saturated and intoxicated with the word of God in the presence of God, it has nothing else but to change the nature and character of who you are. It's impossible to be saturated with something and not be changed. It's impossible to be saturated. It's, inside, it's impossible to be saturated and drink so much water without having to eventually release something. <laughs> Some of you just got that. <laughs> because it, it's true. And the thing is is, is, is you're still dealing with the negative thoughts because you're more saturated with that than you are what God says about you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So I have a question as I close. The list that you made, the list where everything Satan has told you in the past or in the present of why you can't be successful, as you look at that list, compare it to what God's word says. Find a scripture that compares it to what God says. Find a scripture about, about what God says about that negative thing that's been, that the enemy has convinced you about. Find a, a scripture about that. Then I want to ask you, once you find that scripture, take that scripture, hold it up and, and to the enemy and said, whose report will I believe? Whose report will I believe? In Isaiah 53, he, he, makes, he makes a statement, says, whose report will I believe? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Whose report will you believe? And he goes on and he talks about Jesus coming. For he was a scrawny seedling who, who didn't make it, and his, his vicious, his countenance, we couldn't even, we didn't even know, who was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with those stripes, we were made whole. We esteemed him and smitten of God, and we beheld him. You see, and so, so whose report we will believe? And you go to that scripture, Jesus already did everything. So whose report will I believe? What he already did. Everything on your list. Find a scripture and say, whose report will I believe? I'm going to believe God's report. Hallelujah.
You turn the enemy's excuses into positive perspectives for your future. Let me say it again. You turn the enemy's excuses into positive perspectives for the future. You can stay positive in the midst of a negative world. And there's four things if you're taking notes as I close. You have to focus your attention on God. Don't let the world dictate your future. Focus your attention on God. Don't let the world dictate your future. Turn every negative excuse, I love this one, into a reason for achieving. And when you do that, God will turn you from devastation to restoration. Receive this word tonight. Hallelujah. Mm. Everyone stand to your feet.